All right. Should we dive into follow-up? Yeah. Sure. We haven't had follow-up in a real long time. Look how structured we are. You mean we didn't have follow-up because we got everything right all this time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's why. Cool. Mm. That's what yeah. I thought. Um, Kai and I realized that we have been in been to Big Sur. And I just want to mention this. And it's a, oh, it's a, it's a really nice, nice place. Uh, nice. We just didn't realize we were driving through it when we were driving from <laughs> San Francisco to LA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're driving all the way down, and then we drew through uh, Big Sur, the scenic route, nice. and I see why. I see why. So it's Big Sur has actually been my Twitter header picture for the last I don't know seven years. <laughs> Probably. <yeah. laughs> okay. So yeah. nice. So, so you were onto Big Sur before nope, it was cool. I claim nothing. <laughs> it's just a coincidence that I realized uh, way after they announced what the name will be. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, nice place. Would recommend it. Yeah, it was really, nice. actually, really, really nice. Like, it's like we, the first we, place that I was like, all right, I, I've actually been to and I can vouch for. Yeah. It's a beautiful place in California. <laughs> the first place? The what? first of the macros name places. Oh, okay. I've not mm. been to Mavericks or oh, okay. Yosemite. Yeah. I, I do want to go to some of those, but I've not been to any of them. But Big Sur, two thumbs up. It was so nice so that when we were driving through it, we, we thought that we, we had planned to do the whole drive in like one day and we thought that would be perfectly fine but we cut it pretty short because we, we, we got pretty tight because we were stopping so much to look at the nice scenery in mm-hmm. between and it <laughs> it cost us to sleep in the dodgiest motel roadside weird dodgy american and the only, middle of nowhere and they only had a, a smokers allowed room uh, that we could uh. sleep in that was like the only one that wasn't booked and it was it wasn't great. Yeah. And we, we it was so bad that we asked, how about sleeping in a car? And they're like, in this neighborhood, I wouldn't recommend sleeping in your car. We're like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, that was that was, that was was not as nice part of Big Sur, but the rest was really nice. Nice. Um, I also want to talk a bit about one of our segments last week. Yes. Last week, Kai had a fun game, uh, which was basically us predicting which iOS, uh, sorry, which Mac is going to be the first one that we see being available, um, with ARM or with silicon or running on silicon. Um, and Apple silicon? Apple silicon. Or just general just silicon. silicon. No. All the other ones run on, on fossil fuel. Yeah. <laughs> running on Apple silicon. So I think, um, based on that, I went to the Twitters to do a Twitter poll. Uh, which was fun. So I asked people on Twitter what, which Mac they thought would be the first one that would be available, um, with Apple Silicon. Do you guys want to hear the results yes, of what please. people think? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, I really like Twitter polls. I have recently discovered them, but I think it's, and I think it's really fun. I, I it's such a easy thing to put together, but I found like, oh, it, it's nice to see all those people being excited about the topic and I, I like it. Um, so there were 100, 162 people voting. Mm-hmm. Um, and which one do you guys think will win? If, in case you didn't hear the options, Zach, on, in case you didn't come across the tweet, the option was. you're using Tweetbot. Yeah. The option was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, either, I saw your tweets, but I didn't look at the options. <laughs> thanks. Uh, it of was course. either the MacBook Air, MacBook Pro, yeah. um, iMac slash iMac Pro, or the Mac Pro. Mac if, Mini didn't make it into a list because, um, okay. you only have four options. Did, did anyone vote for the Mac Pro? Well, I'm asking you guys. What do you think came? <laughs> uh, what do you think? I think the Air probably won that one. I would say the Air wins and the Mac Pro loses because realistically, yeah. the Mac Pro being the first Mac, that, that needs to be a joke answer. That can't be what people <laughs> actually think. 
Yeah, so Mac Let's Pro. Let's play this in episode Ma- 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 150 when, when it turns out Apple releases the <laughs> Mac Pro as the first the, Mac. The Mac Pro definitely lost this. Uh, it got 1.2% of the votes. And that's okay. more than I thought. Is that uh, just one vote? I think... Uh, I think it's two votes. Okay. Um, and then the MacBook Air won with 43.8%. Mm-hmm. Close second mm-hmm. is MacBook Pro with 37.7%. Mm-hmm. And then iMac Pro with 17.3%. iMac sense. Pro. Interesting. I'm a- oh, sorry. iMac slash iMac Pro. As oh, I said, okay. there were only, I could only put four options in the book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. It sounds right. Yeah. I did... I thought because uh, like I I still think it's the MacBook 30, the 13 inch MacBook Pro um, or potentially the new one that we haven't seen before, but like some smaller form of uh, the MacBook Pro. But Air is yeah. a really strong candidate as well. I'm leaning slightly more towards the Air at the moment, just based on the Minchi Quo predicting that the redesign will happen next year. Now, oh, I haven't mm. heard that. So I'm uh, I don't know. I mean, it's not like he's never been wrong, but. Just if 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 I would be forced right now, I think the, the considering that the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro 13 inch are both very good candidates based on no discrete GPU and those kind of things, mm-hmm. I, I I could imagine either of those. And if there are more and more rumors kind of manifesting themselves as seeing the MacBook Pro 13 inch refresh next year instead, I would pick the MacBook Air. Also, it m- means Zach feels better about his purchase. <laughs> I'm still a bit sad that they killed the 12-inch MacBook, though, because that feels like the perfect candidate for this. Um, that was always significantly uh, underpowered. But who knows? Um, Maybe that's coming back. It, it very well might. Maybe yeah, that would be exciting. Mm. Uh, and then we'd all be wrong in all of our predictions, and that would be sad. <laughs> but uh, it would be a nice product to have, I think. Mm. But it's just uh, all of those. I think all of those products, all the ARM-based Macs will be so significant improvements that mm. that it's... I think they can probably get pretty much through entire laptop range. They can, they could roll out our Max. Yeah, like I think, I think all of them will be. I don't think I expect many of them to be released in very close timeframes to each other. Mm. So I think maybe we get the Air and the MacBook Pro. Because I do think those period. will cannibalize the the rest of the lineup, right? If you get a 13 inch MacBook Pro that is faster than a 16 inch and half the price, that's true. You sort of have to. It's hard, right? Yeah. If you're saying, "Well, still, please buy the 16 inch," but you know it will be replaced soon. But yeah. still, please buy this, despite the smaller one being that's true twice as fast and half the price. Mm. But that's it's, why they have to be strategic about which ones they exactly. update. Mm. And I, I don't so imagine they, we're going to be in that scenario where a low end computer is significantly outperforming the 16 inch MacBook Pro. It just doesn't make bi- uh, like business sense for yeah. Apple. Yeah, but it's hard, uh, even right? if it's possible. It's hard though. Like the MacBook Air in any reasonable new Apple Silicon chip will probably outperform the base model's 13-inch Pro, at least. Mm. Probably. So, it's, it's hard. But that How base you... model 13-inch Pro has always been an Air-class laptop. I know, but now, then you kind of have to almost discontinue that at that point. Because it's like, otherwise, the Air is better in every respect. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird. Mm. Apart from if you need, like, a little bit more color spectrum on the display or a bit more brightness. But that becomes kind of strange when everyone's like, hey, the Air is super fast. So yeah, I don't but even really... even releasing the Air and the 13-inch Pro at the same time would be weird. And I think yeah. that's what you mentioned, Zach. Like, having a 16-inch that is slower than a 13-inch, that doesn't really really make sense. I don't think that that but would the be thing, a realistic right? scenario. Apple pushes more and more Macs out of their 
purchase contention. Like if they're saying, all right, let's, let's make it easy. Let's only do a t- new 12-inch MacBook. That one will probably be faster than the Air <laughs> in all mm-hmm. regards. And it's like, well, now we kind of have to do the Air because otherwise that's a super ridiculous setup where the small one is cheaper, faster, and better in every regard and potentially doesn't even have a fan or whatever. Then we're like, all right, let's do the Air. Now they are in MacBook Pro 13-inch territory. Yeah. Then we're like, all right, now we also got to do that one. Yeah. In which case, th- those probably reach into the 16-inch territory. Yeah. It's really hard mm-hmm. to do this transition slowly. I, I don't really see how Apple can can do that without having an offering in all those size classes, unless they're just saying, look, this is going to be a bit messy for a while, but but like... Mm. Stick with us. One thing is or that banking could, on people not caring. Yeah, one thing <laughs> could be that people are concerned that it's sort of like an experimental product. That Most they, people won't. But know. I don't think people will be. And I think no, Apple no. wouldn't release it as an experimental product. No, no I definitely think they, not. Yeah, I think they don't want to sell it that way. They want to make be very confident about what they're releasing. So maybe they have to I think to the go. DTK offers good experimental. Yeah. I don't have one. Mm. But my understanding of the license agreement is that Apple is monitoring things and stuff and collecting diagnostics. So um, it makes sense that they are trying to iron out issues with this. Uh, and I'm sure that it sounds like they're getting a wide enough like sample just based on the... I'm surprised at the number of people getting one uh, who've applied. So, But it's also I like Apple, the major Apple's issues will be probably had ARM Macs running for, for years and years. Yeah. And they use a lot of applications that are not their own. You know, so and now that it's uh, the announcement's out, they can put more and more stuff on them. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. You know, I would be surprised if there wouldn't be mm. larger chunks of groups at Apple using ARM Macs oh, almost yeah. exclusively at this point, even if For they're sure. not in a new industrial design, just Mac Mini or any kind of existing case with, with new chips in just makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll be, we'll be, no, totally. I'm, I'm very fascinated by how to, how, how, how to do this, not from a technical perspective. I think Apple has that. I, I don't think there's a lot of concern about that, at least on my side. Just, I, mm. I think Apple, Apple nailed that side of the thing. Uh, what is interesting is the strategy and whether they're just saying, hey, most people probably won't care. They will just hear, those are the good ones, buy those good ones. And Apple's happy if more people buy the Air over the Pro for, for a few months until those are even better. Or even, I mean, realistically, Apple probably wouldn't mind if people buy the Air because it's faster than a 13-inch Pro and then a new 13-inch Pro or 14-inch Pro comes out and then some people will upgrade. I mean, that's that's not a terrible situation to be in as long as everything just gets better overall. But yeah, it will be will be interesting. Mm. Because can you imagine that they would release the entire laptop line in one in one go? I can't imagine that happening. That but be... it would be very interesting if they did. And what, I mean they do have all wouldn't... the parts, right? There's nothing that would mm. prevent them from doing that. So Apple what makes you think line. they wouldn't do it? What well, that would be such a splash of like, all right, yeah. new MacBook Air, new MacBook Pro, new MacBook Pro 16 inch. That would that would be uh, quite the announcement. I mean, I'm I'm it's just I'm not a very it. Apple thing to do. Like, if, if, even if you look at in the past when new Intel chips have come out, it's not like they update the entire line overnight. Usually, yeah. like often, yeah. not always, but often the 13 inch goes first and then the 15 inch or vice versa. Like yeah, it's this time not of an it, right? entire thing. Mm. Mm, yeah. Usually, the Intel so cannot that- provide enough chips. Mm-hmm. Apple can say, "All right, we used a new one," and Intel's like, "We have four. And Apple's like, "You yeah. mean four million? They're like, "No, four. <laughs> um, but also, like later this year, um, 
you know, when the time frame that the first silic Apple Silicon Macs are going to come out is probably not the best time for Apple to be mass producing uh, Apple Silicon for other devices, given that it's iPhone like peak season. So it might not be the best time of year to uh, be like, know. hey, suddenly every laptop we sell has an Apple Silicon chip. I don't know. I, mean, I think uh, Apple would like to to have crate. I mean, I don't know how much the A series chips are a bottleneck in production capacity, but I wouldn't. I would assume that considering that Apple knew this again not a forced transition apple planned this for a while mm-hmm. in in theory they they tsmc has quite a lot of capacity worldwide to build chips for apple but i also don't mm. think they're that close to each other there's nothing saying that i think if the iphone is still on time being released in september then they will get over the like initial um I guess, what, what, what do you call it? Like the, the initial demand for it. And then uh, they could release the Max in November, December. I think that's sure, still enough. enough. Time. Again, we were also talking about binning, right? We don't know if how maybe they're building for like the lower end ones, uh, like the MacBook Airs or the 13 Pro. Mm-hmm. It might be the same type of chip they're, man- they're fabbing for, the, for those and the iPhone or the iPad or whatever else is being mm-hmm. uh, updated at that time. And there might be even... Um, synergy of building multiple, like switching multiple things over at the same time because they can can use those chips across. I don't know. Either way, I'm I'm very I'm very much up for that. Right? I think that will be fun, fun couple of months and and years. Mm. Yeah, definitely. It will be fun. Usually, Apple's pretty good at this. So I'm 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 excited to see. All right, which which strategy do they go with? Is it yeah. something where you're like mm, this seems weird, or is it something where like, oh man, that makes so much sense? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm very <laughs> interested, both from like a logistical standpoint and from a marketing standpoint, and just how the announcement will uh, announcement will happen. I always find those things to be quite interesting. But also, like like a software. I don't know if if you know, real, Apple is. Like the fall is already quite busy, but having now an operating system also released on a new architecture, I'm sure adds some extra overhead for a while. So even that will be interesting, right? When when do they get all the software ready for for those new? I, I think the software might be more of a bottleneck right this year than than hardware. Mm-hmm. What but do you we'll think see. about the potential idea that maybe the first one would be the first Mac would be an uh, hybrid? Um, with like a touch input, like the first one would be a touch input, um, so Apple Silicon Mac. That would be like a completely different product. In that way, they wouldn't have to worry about it sort of being better than all any of the other products, right? What do you mean? So if there would be a completely new product in the lineup that, um, I don't think many people have been speculating that it might be a Mac coming out that will have a touch input as well that you can use with your hands. <laughs> that's what touch means. That's what touch means. Um, I, I, I only use so touch rings with noses and feet. Didn't know you could use them with hands. Um, so what if something like that would be the first product? Then they wouldn't really have I to... I mean, it would still replace something in the lineup. It's not well, like I they don't make know it... if it would replace it, because everyone doesn't want that type of computer. They might not I mean, want you don't. I don't think Apple will force you to touch it. I don't think it's... Uh, Touch no, with your no. full hand. But let's say let's say it's thicker because of the touch. Yeah, I don't think so. No, you I think, think it would I, have I don't to think be Apple would be like, here's a fat <laughs> a fat new de- device that's slower and garbage and yeah, all but it wants it. It could just it be a completely be... different product. It might not mm. be a MacBook like we know it today. No, I don't think so. I, I think whatever the, if we see touch max, they will be just as Really? Useful so. for non-touch mm. use cases. So you think it will be... Because what I'm I mean, you look of, at the iPad, right? The iPad, you're not thinking like, whoa, what a fat device. No, but the iPad is thicker, so... But not thicker than... 
Not then, thicker than the entire laptop. Mac. So what I'm thinking is like maybe the screen itself would be thicker, so that you, mm-hmm. and therefore people would it would be a different market, or maybe it's a detachable screen. I still I don't I don't know how comfort how much I feel about touchscreen Macs. No, I'm I'm not I'm I'm just putting it out there as another alternative. I I, 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 I would be very surprised if this is not gonna replace if whatever Apple does. I think will be pretty much slot in replacements for existing Macs. I don't think will be like here's a new category of computing device. Yeah, no, I feel like it's gonna not be, yet. No, I feel like it might be something coming up, but I think it's too early because I think it's something you would want developers to be a bit more prepared for. But I think now when iOS apps it's are becoming awkward. available... Just touchscreen Macs are super freaking <laughs> I know awkward. you don't want this as a product, but I'm just saying, from a from a like company perspective, if they would want to release something like this, it would make sense to... But they need super stable hinges. Like, imagine the hinge... I still think this is likely. I, I think it's likely, it's but it's, happen. it's weird, right? You need a super stiff hinge because otherwise you tap it and you just fold it over, and it's just super, like you don't want the, the the display part of the computer to be super heavy, and mm-hmm. you can no longer open it with one hand because it needs to maintain touch pressure. You don't want. Mm-hmm. I know, to, you, yeah, don't, we'll I know you don't like it. Like even mm-hmm. now, like the glass is really really thin, and there are reasons for that. That needs to be a bit thicker. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's kind of your point, Mullen. Mm. It's just, I, I, it just makes the device so much more awkward in so many ways. It's like a more awkward. Like, I don't want to have a computer that where I have to like pry them, the two sides apart because someone wants to use their fat fingers on it. I don't <laughs> so know. you don't think this will be a thing? I, I just, I don't. I think it's more likely for desktop Macs than than. Oh really? Just because you you don't have a lot of the ergonomic issues with it. Hmm. I still don't want it because it's still freaking awkward <laughs> to, uh, to touch yeah. the iMac. Yeah, but, but but that aside, like, do you think it's unlikely that they have a touch iMac? I think a it's, touch Mac. I think it's somewhat unlikely, unless it's actually like a, um, like you have a hinge thing or like you know Lenovo has some kind of weird things where they're they're calling them yoga. They kind of flip around and lay flat in front of you. And it kind of behaves more like an iPad. I mean, not really. It's a bit awkward because keyboard and stuff. But in theory, it's like you kind of fold it together so it's a flat thing and then you touch it. But it's really awkward to touch things with in a laptop shape with an open open display. I don't know. I yeah, just that's, don't see that's how to make this not could, freaking so, awkward. So that's why I think it could be something convertible and therefore it would have very different form factors. So it would not really compete mm-hmm. with the current ones. But I think I think I don't think this would happen this year. I have a feeling that if it happens, it would be mm-hmm. at a later stage. The, the number one argument for it is iOS apps on, on, on Mac, yeah. right? Because there's so many yeah, that will be yeah. super awkward to use. There's some kind of reason that Apple says this is only on ARM Macs, because in theory, they could change the way we're uploading builds that we also sim- upload an Intel build. Mm-hmm. So there's no, like, I mean, obviously, things are a bit different, but in, in theory, it's possible to do that on Intel Macs as well. So there seems to be some kind of reason that it's ARM only. Um it's either just because it's easier to opt in everyone without shipping new builds, or there is some kind of form factor difference that makes it a bit less awkward. But I don't know. I don't know that that is the the one argument I can see for Touch Max to make iOS apps more comfortable. But otherwise, it's it's just not an operating system made for touch. The form factor is awkward. I don't know if any of you have used touch screen like there are a bunch of laptop uh, like Windows based laptops with touch screens. 
it's, it's just really it's as awkward as you would imagine and i don't know like they're just inherently awkward yeah but i it's, really don't think it's super awkward but people also really like them. i know i know but, but i also but, don't mm. think apple would make it awkward i think if anyone no, can no make it i good. agree that it would probably be better and you know the um but the, it, the manufacturing quality alone would you know, far exceed any like Windows laptop, but you still have people to like it. Ultimately, that's what it comes down to. Like, if you don't like this and you don't want it, you don't ever have to touch your screen. But if you are somebody who wants this, no, and for you, you need a laptop with a touch screen, I, then I can understand Apple putting it in from like a business perspective. I, I agree. I'm just trying to think about how would I design this thing to not make right, it more yeah, awkward. Yeah. And that's, I agree. There's like, going to be some work. I'm that probably goes not the target audience for that, and that's okay. No. There are there are features in the macOS right now that I'm not the target for, right? But if we do that, how do we? How would we design this device in a way that it, it's not objectively worse in the things that it's currently doing well? Mm-hmm. And I, ju- I just don't know. The hinge problem is an actual problem because you want the hinge to to be movable mm-hmm. when you want to move it, but you also want it fixed when it's not. I don't think Apple will have like a software lock where the the hinges all of, uh, can no longer be open and closed because it's now in in like you're touching it mode. You know, that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And you you need it to be less flimsy. I just think there are a lot of challenges. And what do we get? We can we can touch our screens. I, I feel like the, the offset there or the, the trade-off is not great unless I'm missing something very obvious. And I think in general, Apple is fairly conservative with making things because a lot of people like it if they can figure out a way of making it actually great. Um, and I think we're still on that side because, again, I, I, unless we can flip it around, the hinge is, is just a core problem and the, the, the stability of the display part of the computer. Um, so I, I, I just don't see a clear path of like, obviously, this is what it will look like and will be great no matter if you want to use touchscreen or not. Hmm. But we'll see. Hmm. Cool. Moving on from follow. <laughs> <laughs> Kai, you sent a screenshot. I that, did. Um, Indicates a few things. You you have a weather widget on your home screen, so um, that gives the first thing away. But the other thing that I was curious about, you had to shuffle around some home screen icons for this because it's taking up two whole rows. How did you do it? So, there, there are a few things to unpack here. First of all, it's it's summer in Vancouver, and as you can see from that widget, uh, apparently summer in Vancouver this year means you really need those uh, short-term uh, rain forecasts. <laughs> yeah, that looks an awful lot like our forecast here today. <laughs> I know. We've got rain forecast the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not the most glorious uh, summer day here today. Um, and, and bang on the same temperature as well. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's really nice. It's like because I, I assume Apple uses the um, dark sky data now for the short term rain forecast and super accurate and now it's on my home screen and it's really nice that's exactly where i want it um and it also switches like fairly smartly based on uh whether it's raining or not so the what i have is the i forgot what it's called but the, essentially the medium-sized um widget so it kind of spans across the whole device and takes about two two app icon rows that so, is exactly what it is called system medium i believe oh there we go i was doing a bunch of widget work uh, <laughs> a few days ago so. oh, fun <clears throat> yeah so <clears throat> if it's raining it just shows you like the next what is this interval next hour of rain uh, if there's no rain forecast it shows you the next couple of hours of temperature change and and sunset and those kind of things and i think that's really nice i i, I think just your sunset as well yeah so i'm i'm quite the uh, I do like having 
my weather at a glance so i can decide when i want to take a walk when i want to be out when when i don't want to be out and that's exactly what it does so it's really nice hmm. uh it's actually more glanceable to me than a lot of the watch complications just because i get a better overview over what's mm. kind of coming over the next hour mm -hmm. so I, I i really like that to have that there um yeah it does save a lot of the need you have for opening a weather app generally mm -hmm. um, it is interesting that uh, what you said about the accuracy with dark sky it's really good that they've integrated that um Unfortunately, I don't think I'll be able to switch to the Apple Weather app yeah. in Australia just because their data provider is still not uh, very good. Um, but I do look, I do welcome third-party weather apps yeah. that um, mm. use more accurate data and do very similar mm. things with mm. their widgets. Yeah, I'm sure so, Carrot will, yeah, will have something on day yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I would be very surprised. Carrot, Snowflake, there'll be a few. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. But uh, because of that, it, I think that's really good. And it's it seems to be updating uh, when I would expect it to and seems to... In that screenshot, it's a bit behind, though. Is it? Is it? It's about half an hour behind. Yeah, your time is 2.35. Oh, yeah, and that's true. Interesting. Yeah, your now looks like it's about 2.15. Yeah, well, <laughs> time zone. never mind yeah. then. Um, but I'm sure <laughs> they'll figure it out by, by the time that I'm shifts. sure, yeah, yeah. It's, it's beta 2, it's fine. I mean, wasn't it showing uh, Cupertino weather all the time yeah, until the first beta one, 2? So, <laughs> so I've been, yep. um, how do you found the beta so far, Kai? Yeah, uh, I've been there. No, no real con complaints really there, there are a few like sometimes like uh, if you go to the app library and you, you came from a different view there's like an app icon that kind of is disappears for a brief second but it's it's very very <laughs> you didn't minor. need that one anyways <laughs> it, it comes back it's just very minor visual glitches but overall i, I for most of the day apart from the nice improvements like a lot of the animation curves are nicer um going to your home screen keeps everything interactive a lot quicker uh some of the animation curves are tweaked just so ever so so slightly to to make the yeah. operating system feel nicer it feels really like smooth but snappy at mm. the same time it's uh, and some things feel a bit quicker mm. i think it's really nice one thing i liked watching you using your phone kai is that you can as an app, like if you if you leave an app, um, as it animates back into place where it's like if it belongs to the dock, but as it animates down to the dock, you can still interact with the screen, mm -hmm. so you can still go to whatever page you want and mm -hmm. continue going like nice. opening yeah. the next tab. Mm -hmm. And I think that is that just makes it feel a lot faster than it used to feel. Mm -hmm. Search is way faster and more reliable, and ah, okay. it now highlights like what I usually use. Um, or I'd say nine out of ten times I use Search as an app launcher, similar to Alfred or Spotlight or whatever you want to use on a Mac. And it now actually highlights the first um, result. And you can hit the Go button in the bottom right on a keyboard to directly launch the app. And that is so handy because you don't have to... Usually what you would have to do on iOS um, 13 is you search... You type in your search word and then you tap the app out of the search results. And now you can just say, I don't know, you want to go to the app store, you write app and hit go and you open the app store. Sorry, real time follow up. I just realized you can do that in iOS 13 as well. Oh, can you? You can. No, the, the thing I mentioned where you can still interact with the screen underneath as something yeah, right away. But it but just somehow feels it feels different. different. It feels I don't know what it is. Mm. Yeah. So overall, uh, like stability is fine and. I, I do really, really appreciate a lot of the small improvements throughout the system. Uh, just feels like a really, really nice, solid uh, release. So I'm, I'm quite happy. How Even early, if this would chip today, I'd be happy. How early did you install the beta for iOS 13? 
Do you um, also beta 2. Okay. I think I'm using beta And how would you say two. it compared? <laughs> 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 I don't know. Maybe I don't even need to ask this question. I mean, I've seen that a lot on Twitter, but it, it, it feels like 14 is more polished than the current 13 build. Like, in a lot of ways, just, like, animations and, and weird jagginess that I sometimes had on Springboard, it's just all significantly nicer. Mm-hmm. And then having things like the widgets, and, I mean, Zach alluded to that, I, I got rid of, essentially, all my home screens. I had... And you keep them hidden? Yeah, I, I just hid everything apart from one screen, and even that one isn't full. I have a dock with four four apps in it, and then three rows and a widget, and that's it. I don't even have the full first row... Um, the first uh, home screen page full anymore and i go with like you search for everything else and it's it's great it's it's good for that and i mean i had so many apps on this phone anyways that i had more apps than i could fit on the allocated whatever it is 10 10 9 i don't know how many pages you got before things just no longer show up on on your home screens um so it was overflowing anyways so i might as well hide that and you weren't a folders user were you no it's just too uh, much work. Yeah. I install like mm. three, four apps yeah. because every time I'm like, all right, let me try to find a good example of this kind of flow. Mm. I just install like yeah. four or five apps and I usually delete the ones that are just not not good enough. But all the yeah. other ones I keep because I want to show them sometimes. Like if I show someone, it's like, here's a good onboarding flow that's not too obtrusive. I, mm. I have that available and I, I usually want to be able to show that quickly so i yeah. do have an excessive amount of apps but it's just too much to actually I, i'm not one to maintain those things that's mm-hmm. a computer can do that for me <laughs> right but, I, yeah but realistically anything beyond like the second home page on most people's phone is something that needs to be searched for anyway yeah. so i think this new approach is nice um haven't been able to use it yet because i'm only running the beta on my ipad and things are a bit different there but i'm mm-hmm. very much looking forward to it um how how comes you're holding off to uh, installing it on your main phone, Zach? I'm trying to release a thing for 13. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or like some software that needs to run well on 13. I don't really care about 14 yet. Mm-hmm. Once that's out the door, I will happily do the update and just rely on the simulator going forward. Mm. But because I did the thing where I update my iPad before my phone, I will have no devices yep. on 13. Yep. Now, obviously, I can use family's phones and yep. like friends' phones. Like it's not a big deal, but. Uh, just because I am developing with 13 in mind at the moment, mm. it's better to be able to run that on my phone yeah. directly. Mm. Makes uh, sense. And know that that's the experience that somebody who's using it in the public is going to get. Yeah, mm. yeah from seeing Kai using iOS 14, I'm very intrigued to start using it, to, to mm. update mine. Yeah. And I just feel like we, we don't really, we're not going to build anything for iOS 13. Yeah. Uh, at least that's not the plan at all. And like uh, yeah. the next, the Orbit app will be 14 only. Mm. Um, yeah. So I don't see why I should hold off for that reason. And also like, it's not really a problem if my phone crashes on me when I'm Mm-hmm. in the middle of the day because i'm not really doing anything like i'm not going out really like i, can, I, I know this is anything. the perfect beta year <laughs> yeah. and here i am holding out when normally <laughs> yeah. i'm like the first one of us on the i know, I know. Uh, but it's also this time like all my bank apps just work uh, yeah my vacuum cleaner app just works uh nice. mail apps just work podcast client weather apps it's like good. all the things today mm-hmm. man look at how many things i use my phone for four things <laughs> um but all of them mm-hmm. just they, they work so i there was no reason for me mm. to to hold out and it's it's yeah. significant enough of an improvement that i like for the for example the widgets and and some of the other new features in 14 i actually had ideas of what i want to build because i mm. actually exposed myself to using that and nice. i think that is, there's a lot of value in that and considering that we're not planning on releasing anything for 13 and we do have test devices if we 
I don't know, take a yeah. contract or something and someone wants to release for legacy operating systems. <laughs> um, yeah, the um, the widget one and getting to, to use widgets um, constantly is a big reason for wanting to update soon mm-hmm. because, like I mentioned, I have started work on some widgets, but I don't know how they behave from a system mm-hmm. perspective. Like it, It's very different on an iPad, which sits in one place and I, I don't really look at throughout the day. I look at it sort of once or twice a day mm-hmm. um, versus on my phone, watching them change and looking at the exactly. examples of how Apple do things. Mm-hmm. Like I was even thinking like just looking at Apple's examples, like I would probably put the screen time widget on, not because I'm interested in the data, but just because I want to see how it updates and how mm-hmm. they treat the different size classes and just run them for a day and get a sense for how those things are changing. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. then I can sort of apply that in my apps mm-hmm. because obviously not having any uh, third party examples yet, but hopefully those test flights will start to roll in over the next couple of months. Mm. Um, that should be a bit more We exciting. might have one for you at some point too. Yeah, um, cool. That would be great. But also just like a lot of other subtle, nice improvements, like the fitness app got a good redesign that makes it a lot mm. more useful. Um, the health app now actually has really good highlights. Like it actually shows you usually you're this far through your, your day with like your workout or your movement, but today you're kind of falling behind the average and those kind of things. And it's really, it's... It's exactly what I I was hoping for because Apple had all the data, but they just didn't expose it in a way that was useful to me. And now those things are actually super useful. And and that's a lot more useful to me than what the watch used to do, where it just says, hey, keep keep it up. I'm like, yeah, you tell me that every day. Um, but <laughs> Almost actually, there, it's 9 a.m. Yeah. You've been standing once. <laughs> yeah. So like just being able to see like a graph that shows me, all right, you're kind of this far. And it actually shows you visually how far behind you are. Because, you know, sometimes the watch told me, hey, you're, you're behind. It's like, that's like one kilojoule I'm behind. Really? You're telling me I'm behind because I'm, I'm just off by a single integer? <laughs> like that, that doesn't really have a lot of value to me. Well, a graph mm-hmm. shows you, all right, I'm pretty much in line. We're, we're good. Yeah. Or if I actually forgot to walk around for, for a while, it's nice to see that it's like, whoa, there's quite a, quite a gap mm-hmm. today that maybe I do, do take a walk in the evening. So just overall, like throughout the entire system, everything got nice improvements and mm-hmm. all of them seem like they're going in the right direction. Um, and I, I think that's, it's a really good sign considering that we're only in beta two and probably in the one, one of the more challenging years to develop uh, yeah. Apple's system updates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, overall, yeah, very, very big fan of yeah. iOS 14 so far. Also, I want to say in general, I'm very impressed by how much it feels like Apple and the teams that Apple have been get, have, have gotten done this year. I was sort of expecting mm. this to be quite a pretty quiet year uh, um, once the whole COVID situation started. But it feels like, I don't know, I can't really... By the look of it, it doesn't look like there's been many things being pushed forward or push, or delayed. I mean, um, to be fair, some of those things have definitely been multi-year efforts. Like the springboard yeah. changes have been in the works for, for, for multiple years. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't ship until now that makes sense. it's not it's not that you know yeah like not everything we're seeing it's like oh they started it uh when 13.2 yeah. was out you know yeah. a lot of those were multi-year efforts yeah. that just yeah. didn't ship in 13 that's true which was probably a good call because 13 already was was a difficult release yeah yeah uh, with what did actually ship yeah. so yeah, yeah. That's true but i am i am very happy to see so many improvements and i'm happy to hear that even though the um like the home screen and the springboard looks quite different on iOS 14. It seems mm. to be very stable, and I'm very happy to hear it. So I think uh, I think I'll update. Do it. Yeah. Nothing to lose. No, that's true. Literally, not <laughs> nothing to lose. Really. Mm. Um, and I can always 
it's fine. I don't really need my phone right now, so it's fine. No, we're all stuck inside. Yeah. I mean, phones are less and less important. I know. Sometimes I go to get to the end of the day and I have like 85, 90% battery. <laughs> yeah. Like, Just been sitting there. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes yeah. I don't even like, I forget to pick it up to the charger half of the day. It's like, I didn't really need it. <laughs> to be fair, our apartment is pretty small. I don't have that many places to put it outside of the charging station, but... Yeah, I, I think I'll. I think I'll go ahead and update. Uh, I mean, our apartment this. is a small apartment, but we have enough surfaces that you could put it somewhere that's not your charger. It's not like you put it down randomly no, and it's my, like, oh no, it's on a cheat charger. My point is that if it's staying in the bedroom where my charger is, I don't. It's not far to walk and then go and look at something and then put it back down. That's yeah. that's my point. But, all right, all right. Yeah. Just want to make people not feel too bad for our apartment. <laughs> Right, yeah, on. we can barely turn around in here. Mm. Um, yeah, um, Zach, do how do you like the widgets so far? The work that you've been doing on it. Um, yeah, it's it's very interesting. Um, I excuse me. I like how it ties heavily into the shortcut system. So um, if you've done monetary shortcuts, you have sort of configurable parameters. I've actually run into a problem, and maybe this is interesting for the show. Um, <laughs> So, I didn't configure my shortcuts in the right way <laughs> when I <laughs> initially built shortcuts. Okay. And I'm trying to think of a good way to migrate. And I'm struggling to. Okay. This has only been on my mind for about 24 hours. But I did... Um, this was just me being naive two years ago and not realizing the full power and capability of shortcuts. <laughs> um, I did a lot of things that were, were you strictly logged in with typed. some evangelists for for the last twenty four hours. <laughs> <laughs> no, I watched WWDC session. Okay, yeah, um, which, Same which thing. And honestly, the thing is, if you did like if you followed best practices when creating your shortcuts, you know, two years ago and especially last year, mm-hmm. you'll have no problem setting up widgets and configuring the data for it. it it's really good. Turns out um, doing what it, Apple says is beneficial. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, but I have, uh, I, I have widgets that I would like to, sorry, I have shortcuts that I would like to, um, well, that I consider legacy shortcuts. <laughs> and I am considering, so the thing is people like, the thing is, people, like, add these shortcuts to the shortcuts app. So, I don't want to break anyone's shortcuts. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be like, next version of the app removes a particular shortcut. Yeah. And then somebody's got their Siri command or their, um, uh, like, shortcuts app set up to do that. It's just mm-hmm. It just wouldn't uh, And you cannot well migrate them to the best practice approach? There's no way that I know of. Now, what I'm thinking is changing all of my under-the-hood donations to, like, basically manually migrate to a new shortcut that i add mm-hmm. um and so then all of the intense based ones like the recommended time of day things that the system does will all mm-hmm. suddenly transition over to this new type of shortcut now obviously i lose any goodwill with the system about user habits until mm-hmm. that point but i'm happy to make that trade-off um if somebody is in the flow of using the app hopefully that uh you know the system picks up on that pretty quickly but yeah i, I can't find a good way to migrate because i was thinking about um I just think about how it would work, and I couldn't think of a way. I've so never I done any shortcut-related things. So what's yeah. what's the what's the challenge? Like, why can you not migrate? 
Like what prevents you from migrating the, the code that drives those shortcuts? So I haven't done any testing. So this is all theoretical in my head. With t- But I'm thinking, so if I update the old custom intent, um, some of the parameters that I've got set are, as I mentioned, strings. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but then, but then I would update the intents definition file to accept basically an object type or mm-hmm. an enum case or something like that. Okay. I don't know how I would go about I would still need to handle the old ones because users might have a shortcut configured in the shortcuts app that uses the old configuration mm-hmm. style. So it's got basically a string saved where it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would need to handle that coming into the intense uh, handler. But my understanding is the intense handler can only handle current intents. So okay. if I change something in my um, intense definition file, then the intent handler like say, let's say I change an object type from string mm-hmm. to int, just hypothetically, mm-hmm. the intense handler suddenly can't handle a string coming in for that parameter. Now, I haven't tested what actually happens if I do this. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the shortcut breaks, maybe not. Maybe the shortcut disappears. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's on my uh, my to-do list for this afternoon, mm-hmm. actually. Um, so, we will see. But I am, yeah, just at a high level trying to think through how I can do this, and mm-hmm. I'm really struggling. So, so at you- the moment, I'm thinking of just adding a new one and slowly phasing out the old one and hoping that nobody uses it, and then maybe in, like, a year I can drop it from production builds. Could you do so that? I'm, and just- I'm, I'm, I'm like Kai, I haven't done anything with yeah, shortcuts yeah. before. Um, but is the intent handler specifically expecting a specific type? Is it expecting a string or an object? Yeah, so um, it's a bit like core data in that, you know, when you create a core data mm-hmm. object model, it goes away and creates an NS-managed object mm-hmm. under the scenes, mm-hmm. and it's got those properties, and they are, like, down to the types that you specify in mm-hmm. your core data model. It's a bit like that for an intent handler. So if mm-hmm. I change, I don't know, if I've got a parameter um, station name, for example, and I change that to, or station ID, station code, and I change that from a string to an int, hypothetically, mm-hmm. um, then suddenly all of the code that references the that intent handler is going to say, wait, uh, you're handling this as a string, not an int, change that, or okay. vice versa, or whatever. So, um, could you do Because some- it's updating the model object behind the scenes. Okay. Could you... Um, if if you change it to an enum, and it takes a... It is... It takes... The enum takes a string as an initializer. Mm-hmm. Would that potentially initialize the enum or try to initialize that enum? Or is that not an option? Good question. I can try. Mm. I'm, I'm unsure. But yeah, that is one of the things that I'm going to play around. Because... Like, in theory, yeah, that works, but it just depends how the intent how it's actually, handler yeah. operates behind the scenes. And that part would be a black box. Mm. But it might very well be that I could get the raw value out of it. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and like, let's say let's say it comes through as an undefined enum case, mm-hmm. which is entirely possible. Uh, maybe I can access some kind of raw value mm-hmm. thing and just handle it behind the scenes. So, that's why I'm mm-hmm. saying I haven't actually tried this. I've just been thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. For my testing, I've just created the new... Uh, quote unquote mm. perfect intent, um, <laughs> the one that I want with, um, you know, models and stuff created in the intent. Um, it, it's very much like core data where you can create your your yeah. models and, and it generates stuff behind the scenes. Um, All right. Yeah. So that's it's a fun one. But um, if if you've got your intent, do you up, use your own short like your own shortcut stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Partly because I'm testing and partly because it's handy. Mm. So yeah. yeah if not, I if get not, still not used one for anything no i remember i started uh on recent versions of ios i've started getting um a few recommendations i get them all the time for my app and that's a lot of the time because of testing (laughs) on the lock screen or in the siri search 
They're the two main ones. Okay. Did I maybe um, disable it? Because I, I do not recall ever seeing like... Wait, is this, uh, <laughs> don't you have to set them up? Are they supposed to come automatically? No, no. Uh, a lot of the time they'll come automatically. Mm. Um, the ones that you talk to Siri for, they need to be set mm-hmm. up. But um, just the suggestions, the Siri suggestions, a lot of apps are donating things in the background. So, um, recently I've been seeing uh, carrot weather suggestions in the morning because it knows I like to check the weather as soon mm. as I wake up. So, that's uh, often on my home screen. I wouldn't say... Sorry, on my lock screen, I wouldn't say all the time, but it's fairly often. So, I'm guessing that behind the scenes, Carrot Weather is saying, mm-hmm. hey, Zach, check the weather in X location. Mm-hmm. And the system knows that and I do that enough days in a row and it goes, hey, uh, I think this is what you want to do now. And then it's up to the app to handle that. So, some of the shortcuts will just deep link into the app and others will pop up their own like intense UI mm-hmm. and show it then and there, which is obviously mm-hmm. preferred. I feel like I haven't um, seen any show. Yeah, mother, but just too unpredictable. There's just <laughs> yeah, maybe with the A14 chip in the next phone app, we can might, figure out how we work. I always think that might be a problem. So I just, I think probably like two weeks ago, I started getting this, um, you know, the smart charging functionality on mm. uh, on the iPhone when it's like yeah. predicting when you will wake up and when you will use your phone and then it will be charged yeah. by then. I started getting that functioning <laughs> two weeks ago. Okay. I, well. Up until then, I guess I was just not predictable enough so it could enable yeah, okay. this. <laughs> it's taken a year. Yeah. But yeah. it's the thing, right? We're, we're not like we we are awake and asleep at completely random intervals. Yeah. Completely different days. On there's no pattern. It's like sometimes we wake up in the morning early on weekends to to work or having meetups. Others we sleep in on the weekends, and same for weekdays. Sometimes if we release a new build. Uh, at 3 a.m. in the morning, we're probably sleeping in a bit longer. Speaking of, uh, our Orbit update just went into review. Oh, exciting. Mm. Mm. How exciting? Super exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's my that's my widget summer. Mm. But yeah, sorry, Marlon, to answer your question, because I definitely didn't do that. Um, from a development <laughs> perspective, they're fun. And, you know, SwiftUI, it's cool, yada, yada. Um, really, all you need to do is configure a view based on parameters so the parameters that your view takes in is the shortcut so mm-hmm. you need to configure the shortcut this is assuming you're using the shortcut approach you don't have to use the shortcut mm. approach but yeah but are, i guess the, um, the benefit is like if you, especially us we're going to build a new app anyway so why not do yep. it through the shortcut is there any downside of doing it through the shortcuts approach no no i think it's i think it's nice because it's more customizable mm. so um f- for example um you could have I mean, the example Apple gave in their WWDC video was like a banking app and you had three different credit cards and you wanted to pick your credit card. Like you could you could mm-hmm. pick sensible defaults, but if you're using the shortcut stuff for configuration, um, then in theory, the system knows about, say, the three credit cards you've got with your bank and mm-hmm. then it just allows the user the option to pick between them, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's no, no disadvantage that I can think of. It's just um, how you want it to be configured, but it allows for like maximum... Uh, customization because what I want for for Petty is you to be able to um, add a um, like a widget for any given station and so I will pop up a list of stations and allow you to search for your Mm -hmm. given Mm -hmm. station it's not very useful to have 2,000 items in a list Uh, even sorted alphabetically it's still not useful you're going to need a search Mm -hmm. but uh, because all of those stations that have been donated with intense then it's super easy and I think this will also tie into better Siri support. I think it'll mean that you can ask Siri for prices at things without having to set it up yourself. Okay. So once I have all of the configuration, you could say, like, I could, 
I believe this is how it works, and I missed. I might be misremembering the videos from last year, but like, hey Siri, what's the uh, price at like station X Y Z? And then it searches my list of donated stations, and it tries to match it, and it asks mm. for clarification mm. if it doesn't. So it's going to allow a bunch more like smarts, and then hopefully that plays into the watch app too, because all mm-hmm. of the intents you kind of get for free coming across to the watch. So um, okay, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I think we have some use cases uh, for Orbit, but we also don't want to, we don't want to force it. Like we want to have like a realistic, like great use case for it. I mean, there's some yeah, for yeah. the donation of things. Like if you tend to start your timer, right? We can donate when you start Absolutely. timers because then yeah. we can suggest, hey, it looks like, like if you happen to always work from nine to five, Monday to Friday, we can then show you on the lock screen, hey, you want to start a timer for client yeah. X because you but tend to do that. But then it's more of a... Yeah, but that's not a sh- that's more of a shortcut rather than a widget. Yeah, um, yeah but we we would already yeah. donate those kind of yeah, things and yeah. then be able to in on the widget we can then also like assume that we might want to show you the start timer for client X uh, in the widget or something that when you tap yeah. it and the- that you directly deep linked into the state where you can then start the time entry for that particular client at that particular project or something like that. Mm. That's the thing you could have widgets that can be configured with a given client. I mean, you could have a widget that's for all your clients and just shows all your tracked time over that week or that month or whatever it might be, but you could also then donate um, different clients Mm -hmm. um, to the system and then, you know, you could pull it up and say, hey, I want to see a widget with my track time for company XYZ. Mm -hmm. And that could be really cool. And then I think you've got some nice graphs already that Mm -hmm. you could probably reuse a Swift Mm -hmm. UI views Mm -hmm. in those widgets, Mm -hmm. which would look awesome on a um, like a phone home Mm -hmm. screen. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we definitely have some some nice things, and I'm so excited to get to get started on the iOS app. We have so many things planned. Uh, Yeah, our mm. our timeline is kind of we have one bug fix, or I guess we're already at one point two now. We we submitted one point two one, which is just a bunch Mm. of cleanup that was kind of bothering us for a while. Mm. (laughs) Things Um, that no one else would notice. (laughs) (laughs) It's mostly like oh, this this alignment was slightly off, or or I think there's like polishing that I think contributes to a nice experience of the app, but it's not like people will be able to put their finger on what was changed mm. yep. um and then we we were our plan is to have 1.3 which will be like multi-team member support and and kind of essentially kind of complete that entire feature set that we have so far um and then uh from then onwards we'll kind of focus on on the things that we want to build for iOS as well mm-hmm. and kind of some of the big sur stuff so that will kind of run in parallel um and and some some t- small things that fall out as we work on that like some invoice customization but what our plan is to after we get the next kind of bigger one out with the multi-team members and some of the other small things to then focus on all the new and shiny things which i'm super excited about and i'm actually quite happy with our timeline i think especially big Sur and swift ui stuff it seems like beta 3 will be the the good one to start mm-hmm. because a lot of things are still not in the big Sur seats that are already in the iOS seats. Um, so I think beta three will also, if you want to actually build like a serious um, Swift UI app on for big Sur, uh, I think that's, that's the time. If you're not in a super rush, I think beta, the seat three seems to shape into the one you, you would want to target to start to work on it. So I'm quite happy with how this turned out so far. Yeah, yeah. I think that will be fine. Fun, fun and fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, am, I would really like to get started with the iOS app, though. I'm just 
Like, I feel like we have so many things we want to add to it and I'm super excited to do it. And I'm also, I think this will be a fun journey to just see how we can reuse components across both of the platforms mm. since we used Swift UI. I think many things will be reusable, but we, yeah. we never know what we will run into. Mm. <laughs> In yeah. general, with Swift UI, never, you never really know that. So I think I'm really looking forward to get started. And I also see all those people on Twitter like experimenting with all those new things. And I'm like, ah, I just want to continue with that. Mm. But yeah, we have a few things we want to ship and then, and then we will get there. Mm. Yeah. But like you said, you're jumping at the right time when things have started to stabilize and you yeah. still got to play with New Shiny before it's technically released. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we want to be ready for release of the New Shiny. Yeah, so yeah. there's there's also this kind of balance of like there, there are a few things that we still want everyone to have as soon as possible, yeah. right? But we also want to be ready for day one on that. I, I mean, for us, it's a new platform, right? Bringing our app to iOS. And there's, there's like a lot of people that ask for that. So that's yep. also good to hear that it seems to be that people like it on the Mac, but they would like it on iOS. So I'm, mm. I would, I, I totally see that use case. So I'm quite excited to, to build that. All nice. right. Our next item is Orbit Marketing, which se- seems super fun. What is <laughs> that about? I said marketing in quotation marks. <laughs> so Why? that makes it fun. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know if this is something interesting to talk about, uh, but we've been trying to like different approaches of like showing how Orbit works, basically. So we've been doing it both through like different type of tweets. So we've been like putting up like tips every day of how you can use Orbit and like different features in the app. And I found those to be really fun. Like we, we're trying, I have in general, in general, I, I've never been, strong at marketing like i think it's i always been struggling sort of like talking about things i'm doing myself and i always i also feel like much marketing is like in your face and not very useful and i really wanted to be able to sort of find something that is our approach um and i think in general we have some ideas for some really fun like actual videos like acted videos that we want to make so we're trying really hard to make it like our style Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think, I think something like making, making those type of videos that are like, just like showcasing certain features, uh, are a lot more fun for me than just like writing like, Hey, you should try this app. It's, it's great. It's fun to actually like show what it's doing. Um, yeah, it's, it's something you, I like. Are you talking about the like screen recording videos from Twitter? Yes, yeah. exactly. Like the tips and stuff. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, it's a really engaging way to show off a feature too. Cause it's like, it's one thing to say, oh, Orbit can, I don't know, create invoices or mm-hmm. something or, or can add time entries from your, your time tracker. It's mm-hmm. like, cool. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. But you're showing it in action and sort of giving people a taste mm-hmm. of what, um, what it means. And I think that's also where demo mode plays mm-hmm. a really important yeah. role. And I like that demo mode that you've got in there. Mm-hmm. Um, just allowing people to sort of see how the app works. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, it's one thing to, to, know in theory that the app can do something but to actually see how to interact with it it's, yeah it's but cool. we're also and the tips for us are also we, we thought it was kind of good on both sides right for some people like some existing users might not see all the features mm. because there there's a lot of depth to a lot of things um, yeah yeah like i think there was one feature you asked about zach uh like how to see time past mm-hmm. seven like that were more all, yeah, all than seven days yeah. ago yeah and i think yeah and that was a bit things, hidden but yeah, it was yeah. easily explained so yeah, yeah yeah so we thought those it's like a place to point to in case people need it 
So, but okay. it, so it's kind of, I, I thought it's a nice balance of like actual tips for people that already use our product and, and like it mm. to, to see some things that they might not have been aware of, but also for people who've not used it to potentially be curious, because I do think a lot of the things are quite neat. Like the invoicing one we, we tweeted yesterday, I'm, I'm super happy with how that turned out that we can have like all the different like groupings and everything is what I always disliked about everything I've used before is this kind of disconnect between your time entries, how they will show up on the invoice and how, how will they do if like, let's say you remove one of them from your invoice. Like, is it like as soon as it's in draft invoice, are they all marked as invoiced? If I now delete the draft, where do they go? Do, are they all becoming invoiceable again? Or are they, do I now have to manually do that? And I wanted to build something that's very obvious and very clear of like, this is what it will look like on an invoice. If you remove it, it goes back into the pool. You don't, you never lose anything. And, and that's why we do everything kind of life updating in, in that view. And I, I quite, me personally, I quite enjoy that hmm. to, to do it that way because you never, you never have just a next button that some others might have. We're like, all right, now it does something and we'll see what it does. But it's like, no, you, you see what it will look like and then you can customize it from there. But it's always, it's always live with your actual data. And I, I, I personally really enjoy that. And maybe there are other weirdos like me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's been fun to do that. I've just been sort of, like I said, I always been wondering like how to market things all right without feeling like pushy, but, like actually contributing and like, giving helpful, helpful advice. I feel like this is on track for that. Have you done any type of like actual marketing for any of your products? Like? Nope. And like a lot of devs, I would be terrible if I tried, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, marketing's one of those things. It's, it's weird. Like, I mean, it's not, it's, I mean, it's a necessary part of product development, but it just doesn't come naturally to hmm. me. Like, also, uh, yes, yeah, so. I like to talk about things based on like, the merit and i don't know i'm not good at selling it it's yeah. like if ever i'm talking to somebody about something i make it's like use it if you think you're interested but like no pressure down it's like even when talking about this podcast to somebody like someone would be like i right, listen I it's like mm. cool thanks you don't have to though like i'm not <laughs> here to like sell you on the podcast if you don't want you know what i mean yeah. like i just no i, I, I want people I, I, I to, to think... use things like i don't know like mm. I, I never ugh, it's weird but no, I feel yeah the same. i think it's a skill that's like not it's underappreciated especially mm. if you're building your own things yeah um, but like especially yeah. for podcasts i found it really hard it's like just so you know if you like tech go and listen to me talking about it for two hours every week it's like <laughs> such an investment that you're requiring from people and it also feels a <laughs> bit like yeah listen to me i'm amazing listen to my podcast it's like it's not like that and i think it's it's hard to tell people to go and listen to your podcast but this is something that i feel it's slightly different because it is helping people do their work. Like it's yeah, harder totally. for entertainment purpose. Like t the podcast is just an entertainment thing, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. People and it's also a big commitment, like yeah. to tell somebody to go listen to even one two-hour episode. Mm. It's like there's two hours of your life. That's mm. a big commitment. But like, I guess it's a bit different to say, "Hey, check out my little bit of software." Like you can experience that or watch that video in a few seconds. And mm -hmm. you know, if you don't like it, you can move on with your life. You're not yeah. super committed. But it's, it's also fine. to marketing. There's quite a range, right? All the way from like you doing a Twitter ad to Apple being on stage for a keynote. I actually think um, the you have an audience that's excited about what you do next. That part is really easy. I, I feel like that comes natural to me. Like every time we get a message from someone asking, hey, are you building this? I'm super happy to talk about it. And it's <laughs> technically 
both support and marketing, right? Because I'm I'm selling what we're building in the future. And they're like, awesome, I subscribe now. Can't wait for that feature to make it. But they were convinced by me explaining what we're building in the future and became like a subscriber as a result of that. So it's it's kind of a bit of both, but that's easy, right? If someone is curious and mm -hmm. I tell them, cool, not a problem at all. If someone would on Twitter ask me a question about something, I'm super happy to answer it. And those kind of things do not feel awkward or, or weird because I know they were curious, so I'm happy to talk about it. And that's more where the keynote range is, like in, in that kind of range of marketing. <laughs> keynote is easy in quotation marks because you at least know most people that tune in, they are curious about what you have to say. You're not going out and saying, look, everyone, we have a keynote where we talk about things. And you're like, oh, I don't care about Apple. It's like that is that is that part is harder. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. I guess getting people to show up to like to the keynote is a lot harder like to, to promote than actually sell it. Like unless, talking about unless you're at a point where, where you have enough people that care about what you're doing. But it's it's that's the part that I find a lot more difficult. And it's also weirder because you shout at people like, hey, use my app. And they're like, I'm not interested. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that that is a high probability because I just shouted at, at a random person on the street. <laughs> it, it just feels a bit weirder. Hmm. So we, we did experiment very, very slow volume on some uh, promoted tweets just out of curiosity. Hmm. So I added a promoted tweet on my personal account and promoted like did a promotion thing mm -hmm. and it's actually quite interesting how you can target <laughs> people like yeah, you can yeah. say people that kind of also like john gruber and and uh other other people that do mac things like i i just added i think john gruber and uh daniel jelkold and the other people that i know that kind of make mac software and i thought people like them would probably be interested in mac software um And I actually had a reply from someone who said, this ad has been amazingly targeted. I'm exactly your target audience. <laughs> I was like, cool. Yeah, it still feels weird to, 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 to try to target people, but yeah, at least I think the person even wrote like, you, you, this is as, as great targeted as if you would have sent me a direct message. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So that's good, but it's super, super tiny, right? We had like, uh, we didn't get through more than like, I don't know, $15 a day based on that narrowness. But also, yeah, okay. it still feels weird because realistically, if you just, like, based on our, our kind of target and market, just talking about what we're doing on Twitter also reaches those people at yeah. some point. So I don't know, it, it feels weird. And yeah. I'm not a humongous fan of it. But yeah, yeah, we we did another campaign where we were specifically promoting like the Orbit accounts tweets. Um And the one we've been focusing on is like a following campaign. Is, that's that's the name of it, which is like focusing on like you you basically just followers. you basically just pay for ever if, if if someone follows you as a result of it, you pay for it, which I'm not a big fan of. Like I don't like the fact that I pay for people to follow the account. So that's sort of already like yeah for me. Um, but but Get that, yeah. But but what we found is that if you have a following campaign. It still gets displayed for many people, but you don't pay that. So you don't pay for any of the engagement, like people liking it or people actually looking at links, which you would normally pay for any of the other campaigns. And that's sort of what we actually wanted. We wanted people to just see it and potentially like click through and look at it on the app store. And what we found that was that like it was quite a good way of like hacking it <laughs> because it's like you. Many people won't follow the account, but many people will be interested and maybe look at App Store. Um, but they don't, they didn't have any, the, the only thing that Twitter has for like app promoted, like 
for promoting a specific app is for iOS apps. So if you or like mobile apps, in mobile apps. So if you're selling a mobile app and you get a click through, then they will like they will charge you for that. But this is not you're not able to get a click through on a macOS app. So that's why we thought like this might be a good way of doing it. So we like show it to many people, and like that was fun to like experiment with. But we just found that that is very hard to measure because like even if people end up following us or if no one is following us we don't know like we can only look at how many impressions we had and look at how many people like were interested in the tweet but then it sort of stops there because we can't see how many people downloaded it based on that at all and it's it's just it just feels a bit like well we're doing something and we see people looking at the tweet and that's fun but yeah in the end, I feel like I personally don't really like. I really don't like seeing ads myself, and it does feel strange to like pay for people engaging in your tweets. Like it, it, it's, it's, it's a bit. I don't know. Somehow, it just seems a bit odd to me. So I and I did feel like Kai. I, I get it. Yeah. Like yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. I understand where you're coming yeah. from and that feeling. Yeah. And I think, what, like Kai said, I think many people are just interested in what we're doing in the first place. And I think we potentially get more people who are actually interested in us rather than like sometimes we even paid for bot accounts following us. Like that just seems a bit weird that it's get promoted and then it's a bot account and I paid for that. That, that just seems strange. Um, but I was like overall, I think we will put that on hold just because we feel like us just writing about it is something that I think people seem interested in in general. And I think that feels more organic, like more natural for me, at least like just writing about my experience in like making an app is a lot more fun than like trying to promote the app directly and I feel like it feels more me I guess but it's also we kind of have to pick our battles right there's we're two people we we gotta we don't have um more than 48 hours uh, across the two of us right mm-hmm. so spending too much time on marketing we have certain milestones we want to hit now for the product yeah. and diverting too much mental capacity and time away from that I think is is long-term uh has a long-term negative impact on the product mm-hmm. while just making the product better while we still have a very it's not that like we ran out of ideas right we we know the next cu- in a couple of months of things we want to build and i do think there's a lot more value in getting those built in a nice way rather than spending time on other things at the moment and we do see growth that is fairly slow and steady at the moment but i do think overall those kind of businesses because we're not we're not a one dollar app you buy right they're they're subscriptions like most people that are if they're happy uh, and so far i do get a lot of positive feedback Mm -hmm. which means i hope they're also happy with what we built so far um they will they will probably keep using our product for for a long time Mm -hmm. and every new user will hopefully be happy and use it for a long time as well so i do think that will kind of keep going and then there will be spikes you know that that's kind of how those things usually go and those spikes i do not think we have the marketing budget to cost them i do think there are certain things like anything any tweet can get a lot of attention and if you're then having your your um pin tweet pointing to your product that sometimes Mm. can lead to hundreds of downloads and you're like I did not expect that. But I also think that is more likely to happen with one tweet that you actually write because you're interested exactly. in something that you're doing. Like you write something about Swift UI and that's something that other people are interested in. That's a lot more, ex- like that feels yeah, more 100%. valuable. And I think more people care about that than just like a, a tweet from a product mm-hmm. account. And that's why I feel like we don't really need people to 
follow the product, like the Orbit account or anything like that. I think people are just like, we, we just want to talk about what we're doing. And if people are interested in us, that's that's cool. For now, but, at least. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to dismiss paid advertisement forever. I no. do just think at this point in time, it's better to, because a lot of those spikes we expect to happen anyways, right? It might be that someone like uh, 9to5 writes about it at some mm. point. We don't know. But I don't think a promoted tweet will help that. I do, however, think that we would have to throw hundreds or thousands of dollars at a promoted tweet to get a fraction of the result of a 9to5 article um, or, or similar media kind of coverage, right? And the same for... Oh, 100%. Those, because you, you're, you're going after the right audience with a 9to5. Mm. Like, mm. they're naturally excited and curious by good quality exactly. software, whereas a random mm. person who's targeted on Twitter who follows John Gruber may or may not be interested yeah. Yeah. in... Um, high quality mm. software but if you're on 9 to 5 max seeking out articles specifically about good third-party software mm. then yeah you've already sort of you're predisposed to liking mm. it and it's also it's it's a better fit overall because i do think we made a nice piece of software and 95 writes on average about nice pieces of software mm-hmm. so there's already a good fit where i don't feel like i'm trying to push something on someone it's more like hey they wrote about it if if you do think time tracking and invoicing is interesting to you try it out it's not like you know i'm not going to no one is clicking a link reading about something that is an invoicing and time tracking piece of software if you don't care about Mm -hmm. it at all Mm -hmm. so i feel like that's not as like pushy in a way despite it probably being viewed by a lot more people Mm. and and those kind of things might happen in the future like there are a lot of uh outlets that want to write about mac apps and i hope someone wants to uh write about ours that would be nice Hmm. um and that will be a big spike and then there are other things like maybe maybe you know someone someone notes it and people tell like when we have the team feature it could be like a someone in a company that's like hey you know what you should uh we should maybe switch to this product and that could be a big spike And again, long-term spike probably as well. Mm. And then maybe when we release the iOS app and that might be again a spike, maybe, uh, I mean, Apple featured us on the Mac app store. If, if anyone listens from that team, we wouldn't, we, we are very open to discussing our potential feature for the iOS app store. Mm. Um, you know, but that, that could be again a spike. And I think that's, mm. that's, a more us approach right now where yeah. we focus on making it better and being being open about what we're doing and, yeah, and, and being doing excited about what we're doing like i'm I'm really not i'm also not like i'm writing about what i'm excited about now and that feels more natural like mm. writing about our process and w- what what is coming up is just that's just what i'm working on and that's what i'm enjoying to work on so i think that just feels more natural yeah so i, I that's that's our approach for now at least until fall uh autumn End of the, the, the end of the summer. End of the summer, uh, or not even that applies to Zach. Uh, how, how do I have a <laughs> hemisphere independent? Uh, I guess towards the end of the year, um, mm, we sure. will uh, we will probably be a lot more confident in like I don't think at the moment we have a lot of urgent features. At least we consider them urgent, like things we we plan to ship anyways, and that we want to we want to ship and that that we feel like are missing for for this to be all of what we wanted and then we have a lot of optional things that we ship after that but i i feel like we're still in the in the realm we still have a few months of of kind of required in in Mm. quotation marks required things we want to ship over the next few months and i think when we get past those 
then it's also a better time to potentially consider like maybe we should try to like do a sponsorship on a podcast or something mm, yeah. like, because worst case we we support a podcast we like yeah and best case people people listen to that and like what they're hearing and giving giving our app a shot yeah, but i feel yeah. like at the moment the best the best marketing we can do is make it up better yeah yeah I, I agree i feel like i'm not i'm also not against marketing i think it is sort of this thing that many developers are dreading because it's not like no, many many people don't like marketing in general and i think it's uh, it's just something that is very different from what we're doing every day but i think it can be very beneficial to like get the word out there but i think there are like i say i think at the moment we have to put just so much work into like figuring out the twitter like if we do twitter ads that's like so much too you have to invest a lot of time into it and i feel i agree like it's better to just focus on on the app for now and i think yeah podcast ads is something that i think could be fun because it's like it's it's actually showing it to people who are interested in mac os in the first place and also supporting supporting the podcast which i think is important i mean the ones that need support there are yeah. also some that are already swimming in money don't yeah. need to support those no no that's true so we support our own podcast, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so we know whoever you sponsor, you uh, you feel sorry for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice guy. Nice. It's a pity uh. sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. On that note, let's move on. Mm-hmm. What's, what's the next right. topic that's even more fun than marketing? Yeah, I don't know if we have any people listening anymore. I just... This was something I want to talk about already during the WWDC week, but we didn't get to it. But I found that um, it's it's quite interesting to see how how this WWDC was sort of focused on the Mac again. Like I think we were all like at least Kai and I, we were super excited to see that things were back. Focus was back on the Mac. Um, but I feel like it's interesting to look at this in terms of like how it's presented to the developers, mm-hmm. um, especially with the. Uh, switch to like the move over to swift ui and like the 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 catalyst improvements and the ios apps on the mac is coming later coming later this year so i just found that it was interesting to sort of see the message from apple and i feel like they are really trying to propose people to be a bit more multi-platform and i think there are like many developers especially in the developers have been wanting to be on those platforms before but i think it's just been more and more things um, that you have to like worry about to to be there, but I think Swift UI especially can definitely make you like help you I mean, being if able we, to if make we look things at what start. The state we're in right now, right? If mm. if you happen to be a developer for any of Apple's platforms, for most for most products, it is probably the better idea to build iOS and iPadOS apps than mm-hmm. macOS apps because there's just such an in incredibly higher amount of users like if you want this to be a financial financially successful endeavor the probability is higher on iOS just because you have you target so many more people and you get iOS and iPadOS for a lot of like very little extra work right i mean sure some of the apps are not great on iPad as a result of that mm-hmm. but overall if you care a little bit you can get quite far with that and this year it seems like apple is trying to we don't know how much that will work yet but trying to expand that to to the mac os mm-hmm. so now the idea is ideally if you're doing swift ui let's assume swift ui is stable and great everywhere mm-hmm. you could expand that the entire range from ipad from watch to and TVOS and ipad and ios and widgets to to the mac os 
to the macros to macros um and i think that is that is very clearly the direction right apple mm -hmm. wants you to be an apple platform developer if 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 your efforts make sense across those platforms mm -hmm. and having re even if there's still a lot of extra work on the, all of those things i mean i think we talked about that earlier that it's like all the common parts like it's you can share all the common parts and then the extra effort goes into making it particularly nice for each of those platforms mm. if, if you do happen to care about what you're doing and i think that's really nice mm. um but <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. okay um i mean they're, they're, it's not really about it's more about i do think we already see some of that i've not seen this this many um kind of early prototypes of mac software mm -hmm. in in years in mm -hmm. centuries <laughs> you know on twitter it's a lot of people they're writing about hey i i kind of made this app and this is what it looks like on mm. on the mac and i've not seen that in 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 forever like that i've not seen that much excitement to make mac apps so it does seem like this the lowering of that that uh hurdle to to not go from ui kit to app kit but instead being able to use swift ui mm. and using that on the mac OS, despite it being more work on the mac OS. <laughs> on jesus <laughs> cannot speak but my point is still valid potentially <laughs> um it seems like that hurdle was actually very significant for a lot of people where now the combination of the messaging and the tools actually maturing and Swift UI being so clearly the direction Apple wants to go forward, right? Like it's very clear. Like now there are Swift UI only parts of the system, mm -hmm. like widgets, which I do think is a core. Like how often have you had the chance to be on the home screen with? with with live content before mm -hmm. like that is i think very attractive for almost all apps there are not a lot of apps that wouldn't get any value out of a widget and that is swift ui only and i think that kind of shows overall the development community how much of a focus swift ui has mm -hmm. and how important is it is going forward and the, the entire picture being swift ui seems to be where app what apple seems to be the If you start today, this is the framework you should probably try to use unless mm -hmm. you have a good reason not to. Uh, it's, so far, it seems to be very promising of a of a adoption from the community as a result of that. And I think that's really exciting because it does seem like a lot more people are excited about that they can make Mac apps rather than being like, oh, look at this this Catalyst app that doesn't quite work right. You know, it's it's nice when you write your code and it feels great mm -hmm. rather than you write and you're like, oh man, that seems like... It's not quite what I would like it to be, mm. and I think that's that's exciting. And I think it's it's interesting that that message seemed to have really come across to everyone, mm. and it feels like everyone embraces that now. That mm. that, that the, the systems are a bit more more uh, easy to develop for across yeah, yeah. across the board. I definitely think it makes the Mac feel more welcoming. I mean, I wasn't ag aggressively pushing people away before, but I think people are more. Like seeing it as a potential platform where they have great ideas for it and that they think they can, they can add an app to. And I think it's, it's nice to, that's what I liked seeing at WWDC. They felt like Apple was really sort of sh giving a developers different tools of how to do this, depending on where they are in the development of, of an app. So if they have an iOS app, they can use something like Catalyst to move it over. But if they have SwiftUI app, that's also great. Or like it really felt like they had, they showed mul multiple different tools of how to do this now. And I think, I think it's just nice to see how much focus has been put on all platforms. And I think there are pros and cons to this. Don't, don't like, don't get me wrong. I don't think it's like 
perfect in its entirety. I think there can be problems with with that as well. Some some like apps what? might not feel as feel as native on the Mac um, if if they're not being ported correctly. But I think the fact that we Probably see so more many... so than than other approaches, like for a new app, yeah. Swift UI by default will probably get you yeah yeah closer. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah. But I think I think if you see. But also the fact that so many people in the like developer community seem so excited already now, that really makes it feel like people care about making something that is nice for the Mac, not just like a direct port. It seems like people are excited in like being on the Mac and I'm, I'm hoping that this will mean that we have some really great apps on the Mac. And I think it's, it's something that people have been wanting to move to for, it seems like people have been wanting to do it for a while, just, um, judging from people's excitement about it. And I think but, it's, it's great to see. But it also seems like an opportunity. I, I think this is really good opportunity for smaller or indie mm. developers to actually make something because on average, I would say indie developers care a lot about what they're building, mm. probably more so than, than multi, billion dollar company companies where someone decided we need an app make app yeah you know and it was always hard with the existing tool chain to to make something like it's a lot of effort and a lot of maintenance to to maintain something if you would have to have completely separate or or very minimal sharing between your your tvOS app and your iOS app and your iPadOS app and your macOS app you know and and your everything else you're building like if if those have to all be independent platforms that are completely not sharing any code there is there's a lot of overhead that might make it not feasible for developers and things like the state of catalyst in the last year was something where a lot of indie developers that that we know and we've talked to saying that they don't want that for their app Mm, because they mm -hmm. do care a lot and it just didn't fulfill their requirements for what they would want their app to be like on macOS. Mm. And I think now we get to a point where that is a great opportunity. Yeah. Like if you start something today and you build it in SwiftUI, you can build something that's really nice across those platforms. Yeah, yeah. And you have an advantage as a new starter over all the existing ones. Like if you look at all your competitors writing mm. the apps in Objective-C and and in in like like UI kit or or to reverse from AppKit and them trying to now go to other platforms, they have a lot more overhead and you might already learn Swift over the last few years, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's also a lot of people realize that this is a really interesting opportunity for a lot of newcomers mm-hmm. to establish themselves in this in this on this platform mm-hmm. as something that and, is both and fun also, and, and kind of leading leading the way, but also financially potentially yeah. uh, rewarding to to be able to do that. And I think yeah. that's and I think to touch on what you mentioned with uh, companies defaulting into like electron apps when they like I think many big companies might have this idea that they need to be on a platform and then they make something cross platform that is not feeling great. But I think this can actually give independent developers a sort of competitive edge where they are like maybe making something similar to a big company, but the app that they make is a lot better because they are using the tools that have been provided during the last couple of years. Mm. So I think I think it can it's a it's a great opportunity and I think it's awesome to see that like this is something there are ways of doing this for everyone i just and if you're passionate it seems like you can make a really good app that works on both platforms and i think especially swift all UI, platforms pardon all platforms what did i say both oh sorry all platforms and i mean i can only talk from a swift ui perspective but i feel like so far i'm really motivated to be able to like continue reusing some of our views across but i also understand that there are differences between the platforms and i really want to make that feel native and feel natural on both of the platforms but i think you're already in a great position with what you've done with swift ui and 
you know, even going back to the example from before of the graphs that you've got, like they're they're <laughs> yeah. perfect yeah. to use, um, you know, on a on a big widget on the watch, for mm. example, or um, on a widget on i sorry, mm. a complication on the watch, or a widget on iOS, or you know, even within your iOS app, like mm-hmm. there's no reason mm. why those components can't be reused. Exactly. And if yeah. you think about an app, this is something we- a lot of the the difficult stuff are things like the graphs and the custom UI components, and they're the parts you can mm-hmm. reuse. You're probably not going to reuse your navigation. You're going to have a completely yeah. different view yeah. hierarchy on iOS. Exactly, but the bulk, like the the parts that make your app unique, can be reused, mm-hmm. and that's a really awesome thing. Mm. And you know, it's those graphs that give your app personality. Mm. You know, I can look at a graph and go, "That's distinctly Orbit," which mm. is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think you're in a really good position, having done, having chosen to go down the route of, of SwiftUI already. Um, you know, suddenly you are you, Orbit is an app that will exist on Apple platforms, not an app that will exist on the Mac. Yeah. And Someone can choose to use it on their watch or somebody can just use it on iOS or the Mac or however they feel most comfortable. They can go between all three right. and mm. that's not a concern. You know, maybe you'll bring it to Apple TV. I'm kidding. We, we, no, will. No. we will. No, actually. We will. You actually will. Like, I, think, I think the graphs in particular is something Track that- Track your TV watching time. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, but the, you're it's right about like, the graphs. Sort the of graphs like a dashboard, like right? a dashboard yeah. type. Yeah. yeah. Especially when we have yeah. team member support. Uh, like- Sometimes it's just nice to see, all right, uh, like if if you imagine like a small to medium studio of 20 people, just being able to have a dashboard where you see like what thing everyone's working on at the moment, it's quite nice when you're like, hey, uh, you go over to Alex and you're like, all right, uh, you're working on, on Project X right now. I have a question related to that. Alex is working on Project X. Mm. Cool. You know, it's just, I do th- like I do see a lot of studios actually having like dashboards. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of fun thing to, to, to have like a dashboard of whatever you want. Mm. Um, like what, what you're working on or all your projects or even where you are in the project because it might be nice to see, all right, this project is, is like do next week so everyone's kind of uh very focused on that like i do think there are non-ridiculous use cases for what we expected we expect us to be very little work because most of the mm. w- things will not need any extra like yeah. the only thing that we need to do extra is designing your dashboard because we want to have it custom to what you want to show mm. but we don't think it's that much work to actually then put that together mm. so i do think it yeah. would be fun both as an experiment but also as a as a useful thing for very specific uh, uh user base to to have that so it's it's kind of fun our our goal is definitely to all right let's try this to mm. bring it across all the platforms mm. and and yeah. tvOS is one of the platforms in the lineup yeah and and i think it's but but what uh, yeah yeah sorry mm. so i i think that will be will be mm. uh, a fun experiment if even if if that's all that's mm. coming out of it i don't expect it to take more than a day to t- day or two to get that working nicely yeah and if it takes more than that we probably just postpone it until we we're like feeling really motivated to do it for tvos but yeah. realistically i don't see why it would take more than a day or two and yeah i think that's worth it but i think what i also really like from apple's standpoint is that it felt like they really highlighted that there are differences between the platforms. They're not just saying, oh, build it here and here and then run it everywhere. Like build it here and then like certain parts will run everywhere, but we will try to make things feel natural on other parts. And like it, it sort of felt like you should still make sure that it is a native macOS app and th- that it is a watchOS app. Like it felt like they were very much aware of the fact that they didn't want to take away the uniqueness of each platform. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's going back to what I said earlier, that it could be problematic allowing people to just port things directly. But I think because people might just 
check a checkbox and then they're, they're not making it feel native. But I think the fact that Apple is putting so much focus on the native experience makes me feel like many, especially in the developers, will feel motivated to do that. And they will feel like that, that's, that's what, that's what you're expected to do. And I think Apple has given, seemed to have been giving us the tools. I haven't been playing around with it that much yet, but they seem to have been giving us the tool to be able to make those nuanced differences on all of the platforms. But I, yeah, what I can imagine is that we have a bit more of a trap door app situation where okay. it's like if you do swift ui and you don't care about the app the mac for example and you just bring your ipad os app over without any modification mm-hmm. you might have an app that at first glance looks great you know because swift ui will do a lot of the heavy lifting of like sometimes i, I download an <laughs> ios app and i already see the tap bar is really strange and you're you're already like you tap one thing on the tap bar and you're already ugh this seems to do it's like some kind of weird web wrapper that pre- tends to be a touch bar uh, or you tap it and then the, the interaction is just not feeling instant mm-hmm. and you're like something is happening now something else is happening sometimes it takes one tap for me to to judge what kind of app this will be right mm-hmm. and i think swift ui will remove a lot of that like if, if <laughs> so you, when you say trapdoor it's like no we're making the app good for you is no that- it will look at first glance it will look like a nice app yeah. But you have to drill a lot deeper oh, to okay. then feel like, all right, here it starts to fall apart. Because I do think Swift UI will... I, I, I'm just curious. But it's a, that's a positive thing, isn't it? It's it's a thing. It's, <laughs> it's more... I, I do wonder if it... Like, just out of my own curiosity, I do think it will be... It will take a little bit longer to figure out. Uh, I don't think I will be... It will be as easy for me to judge an app within a second. Because I do think like a lot of the scaffolding will be fine, and then when you drill down, you're like, "Ooh, starts things start to collapse quite quickly from there." Okay, will be. I, I do. I am curious how that will how that will be. Yeah, interesting. Cool. Should we do picks and then wrap it up? <laughs> do we have to do picks? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I was working on uh, welcome emails. Yeah, really oh, nice. yeah, that looked nice. I saw your was it your tweet that you, yeah. you put out? Yeah, 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 that looked good. See, I'm tweeting so much; it's too exhausting. Yeah, I know. okay we've been talking about this so much but i really struggle finding my voice (laughs) to lack better words but like i really struggle knowing my tone when i write things like i feel like Mm. that's why it's so hard like during the covid scenario it's like i don't meet people i have to communicate with texts and Mm. everything comes across so awkward yeah yeah. sometimes like do you think this tweet is good and it sounds like uh, a company just committed something, did something completely hor- horrific, and they uh, hired like super a PR. Yeah, yeah, they hired a PR firm to release a statement. It's like but today it's, I worked on. <laughs> it's like yeah, but it's not like it's not like thing. It's not like I'm writing about big things. It's like if if I write about. Uh, um, like a small feature I worked on, it's it mm. becomes such a big PR thing, and like it's terrible. It sounds so like. Per- it doesn't sound perfectly written it just sounds very like empty yeah it sometimes feels like there were eight people in a room debating every word and you get out and what you get Mm. out of it is nothing yeah the text is really hard when you're talking to people that you don't know well in person Mm -hmm. or um or vice versa like Mm. i think you know like um if i sent you a message that 
felt a bit bland, you'd probably like dismiss it and yeah. whatever. You'd read it in my voice and you'd be fine. Or if I sent a message that was overenthusiastic, you might go, that's a bit weird, but like he probably just meant it like any other yeah. message. Yeah. Whereas if you'd never spoken to me in person and I sent you this message with 14 exclamation marks yeah. or the opposite, just something that was like completely mm. bland, you'd be like, Who, what's this? Yeah. What's wrong with this guy? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so it is one of those things that it takes some getting used to, I think. Um, and, and it's never good to try and like, for the first time, talk to somebody over text. I always find mm. that really difficult. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I find myself overcompensating by, like, emoji and exclamation mm. mark and <laughs> let them know that I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's also, yeah. if you, like, our personality is sometimes making a joke about something. And it's hard if you've not met that person, whether they will get that or if they actually exactly. think you're mad now. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. It's, yeah. it's so hard. And then you like, your, your entire text is full of emoji and that's kind of looking yeah. funny too. It's like... <laughs> And then the difficult thing about Twitter is you're communicating to many hundreds of people, mm. some of whom know you very well and won't yeah. care how you word something, and others with the first time they read anything from you mm. and they might think you're a total weirdo yeah. if you. And you then know, you also have whatever. a limit in how many characters you can express yeah. yourself in. Yeah. Mm. No, it is difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. But, but I think I think I'm just practicing. I just continue writing things, and it gets better. But yeah, yeah. you get. I usually it. good. often a good trick is just think about don't think about how you write it like that's what i do with all the customer support stuff i've handled customer support exclusively mm. over the last couple of weeks mm. um, and, uh, and uh, uh, thank you so much for that yeah, kai, <laughs> kai is so good at it and like i, I would just t yeah I'm, I'm i'm just struggling wording things so i, I, I just what yeah. i'm doing is i just think what if i would talk to this person what would i say and then I write it. I was like, all right, this is pretty good. This is my like first draft. And then I just mm -hmm. change some words or some, some sentence that feels awkward. And I'm good to go. And I'm trying to not overthink it. I'm not trying to polish everything. I'm just, how would I say this casually? Put this into text. Do a second pass very, very quickly and then send it away. And that, yeah, exactly. that works really well for me. And it's a lot easier that way and feels more ca comfortable and casual. But yeah. yeah, and people seem to be fine with it. Like, you're not coming across as snarky or sarcastic. And turning people is so much fun. Like, I, we, turning people. Yeah, sounds overall, like, we, we. Sounds like you're running a, <laughs> uh, like a sect or something. No, it's a spy what, what operation. What do you call it? What is it called in English? Cult. Cult. No, no, it's, it's mm. a, uh, infiltration and spy mission. Oh, okay. On, that's on. better. So it's like, it, I would say 95% of, uh, emails and, and messages we're getting are positive. They're positive with something. It's like, how does this work? Or, or is this in, in the, in the, on the roadmap or something to that extent? And then 5% of them are kind of either they think to talk to a bot or, yeah. or a bot like person where they're like, I didn't want this. I'm like, I don't even know what you're yeah, referring like, to. What, what don't you want? Don't you want our welcome email? Don't you want the app? Don't yeah. You want the one person just replied a stop. It's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do here. Do you want to stop your subscription? Like, then I would need some information from you, and and also I can't mm -hmm. do that. Or do you want to stop getting emails from us? But you didn't sign up for an, like an email list. This is a transactional mm -hmm. email. I just sent you an email because you created an account and you want to confirm that account. So I don't really know what to stop here. Or is it like you know what what does stop mean? So I I usually just get back to him and it's like, hey, just to confirm, you want to stop. Uh, you want me to delete your account or, or do you need help like canceling subscription uh, just just let me know I'm happy to help out um, but 
but sometimes there are also people that are like just kind of annoyed they're like because i do i do get it like we do ask for mm -hmm. account information then ask for money it, it might be like if you didn't look at the app store listing you might not see that there is like a subscription and you might be annoyed and some people were really annoyed up front and sent me annoyed mm -hmm. emails like hey you got all my personal information and now now you're selling it and now you're asking me for money i'm like ah, that's not quite what we're doing and explain it and and be really f like friendly about it and one person's like mm -hmm. cool well, I, I think I subscribed then. Or, or today <laughs> nice. it was a person that's like, uh, yeah, I don't want this. I was like, okay, cool. We talked a bit. And I was like, all right, maybe, maybe I give it a, a look again. I was like, this is, this is fun. Mm. <laughs> like, if you're actually nice to people, they, 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 respond, they respond well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't good. know why we have to start and hostility as a starting point. I think that's yeah. a bit weird. Mm. But I, I, maybe, maybe like a lot of, uh, people are being screwed by, by tech products mm. lately. So mm. I, maybe that's where it comes from. But so far, I've not had. Or a maybe this is just the first Mac App Store app they've ever downloaded. Maybe they're not sure what to expect. <laughs> maybe, but it's it's. I've not had a single person that stayed hostile past yeah, the nice. second reply or past the first reply, and then getting back to me, which I think is a really good sign. Uh, I think that's means that our our potential customers or people trying it out are are generally nice, friendly, positive people. Uh, but they might have been wronged by others before. So all we have to mm. do is not wrong them. And that's kind of easy. That's kind of what <laughs> our goal is anyway. So Simple business strategy, hey. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we definitely need... Uh, for this to be sustainable, we definitely... Well, the thing is that we do have quite a lot of users, but not as many subscriptions as we were. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, as, okay. there are as there are users. So we're trying to sort of think of... What these users want, like uh, they, cle mm. they clearly, I, I wonder if it's like they're waiting to subscribe, and they they are just like still setting up their business and they're not doing consultant work yet, so they are not getting the subscription until they're ready. Like that could be one thing. Another thing might be that they're evaluating different apps because they haven't. Yeah. Like it's not like all those people went ahead and gave us five, uh, gave us one star on the app store. So they're mm. clearly not upset about having to create an account and then requiring a subscription. I mean, I, I think people... I don't think you can draw any conclusion from people not giving one-star reviews because <laughs> some people just see, oh, I don't I didn't want to pay, and then they leave and never think yeah. about you again. It's not even that, you know, Maybe. they're not angry. Yeah. They're just like, oh, it's not what I expected. Bye-bye. Okay. Um, yeah. So I think that that is common. Like, I, I sometimes have, to have that for apps that really shouldn't be subscription. I downloaded a QR code scanner today because I don't even know why there was a QR code that Apple couldn't read. And I was like, all right, yeah. I just want the raw. What is the raw string behind this? And I realized I already built one because popped up fifteen dollars a day subscription. And that's the thing. It's like it's like <laughs> three day three day free trial, and then it's uh, seven dollars ninety nine per per week or something. It was something mm. really strange. I was like, yeah, obviously not, and deleted it immediately. Mm. And, you know, I'm sure also there's no person behind this being like, oh, I'm so sad that no one is subscribing to my scam app. Um, but you know that that happens. Like some people just don't want to buy the product you have to sell, and that's okay. Yeah. I don't, you know, if if they don't think they can get seven dollars of value out of our app, that's that's totally fine. You know, it's not mm. it's not a free app. It's not it's not even a particularly cheap. Like I do think we're in the like we we're in the more serious price category for yeah, where yeah. the app store is right now. Um, but I also think we Absolutely. do provide the yeah. value for that. But if, if someone yeah. disagrees with that or disagrees with it right now, or maybe they need, like, they want to set up something for like 10 team members, you know, it could be either side that they think it's not worth it for them or they want to go way bigger than we do. 
Um, mm. I think all of those will happen, and that's that's totally fine. Mm. Um, but what what we can look at is is actual active subscribers, and that's not where it's sustainable, um, and actually quite far away from that. Mm-hmm. So it will be interesting to see how that will pan out over the next few months. Mm. I mean, we yeah, we do think- have a lot of things in in the works that I do think. Uh, are are worthwhile and so far it does mm. grow slowly yeah and i think the fact that people are still like definitely interested in it and people everyone like i said like so many people are signing and sending like positive messages and people are still interested enough to create an account so clearly there's an interest there so i don't think we have to be concerned in that way at all no considering uh, there are enough happy customers mm. <laughs> that that i'm not worried that it's uh it's uh, you know vapor vaporware it's it's definitely i mean we use it every day it's, it's a nice nice piece of software um but for it to be sustainable it needs to be um significantly more people like 10 times as many people which i mean all things considering we've only been available for for months not even that right mm-hmm. um sorry yeah if you got 10 percent in the first month that's actually pretty good yeah like 10% of the way to sustainability. That's yeah. quite impressive yeah. for a month. Yeah. Um, I know it's, you know, it's not the immediate splash and we can do this full time and not worry about mm. money kind of thing, but it's a, it's a pretty decent chunk of the way. Um, yeah. But there are, there are a few, you know, ways that, you know, not getting ahead of ourselves here, but like, there's a few like good ways you can do that kind of thing. You know, it might be that Orbit gets you 50% of the way there yeah. and you have another mm-hmm. product that gets you another 50%. Mm-hmm. It might be it gets you 50% and you supplement that with a few months of contract exactly. work a year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like there, there's ways that you can sort of keep mm-hmm. this sustainable and, and work on the things you love most of the time yeah. and do a little bit more to, to pay yeah. bills and stuff. So, and I think that's yeah. that's a great thing. Because for us, whenever we do freelance work or contract work, we actually use our product to to yeah. to yeah. Yeah. to do that work. Like, I mean, obviously Xcode for the actual work, but like to, to track that <laughs> and to send invoices. You can build apps now in Orbit. Yeah, but you found this window if you go to yeah. views down. It's just just have to find it. I can't wait for the iPad port. <laughs> um, yeah, but we we actually use that our software to to for for the time tracking and invoicing for yeah. that. So it's still it's 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 very fun. Like I we were already talking about it before we launched. We're like we should probably force ourselves to do at least ten percent of our time freelancing, just so we're mm-hmm. actually core users of our app. Because yeah. I mean, so far all decisions we've made were based on us doing a lot of freelance work. So I yeah. I almost think it might be not beneficial if we wouldn't do any freelance work because i do want to i i do mm-hmm. strongly believe that the app, best apps come from people using their own apps mm-hmm. <laughs> because then you run into all the issues and all the improvements you might want to make and you'll find certain features that you want to exist exactly yeah yeah and i i do think it's it's hard to filter feedback you get from customers without enough personal hands-on experience with the with subject matter right it would be really hard if someone would come to you and say hey you want to build i don't know uh i shouldn't have committed to this uh, example now um but if if someone would want to build something for for european people using uh oh, jesus i really can't think of anything <laughs> why did i commit to this cutting this out um sure but you know <laughs> there, there's a lot of value in in just building things you, you're using every day and mm-hmm. and oh definitely you, you should be your your own biggest customer right yeah and if you think or, about some other or at great least a significant apps, customer um, right even if you're not the biggest yeah like yeah. if you wouldn't have a car and you build petty it would be kind of weird Ooh. yeah it would be very weird 
but yeah, it's something that I use before I fill up. It's great. Yeah. Um, but like thinking about like some some indie success stories, like David Walsh and Auto Sleep and mm. Heartwatch. Uh, like he built those <laughs> because they were apps that he and got he used does out sleep. <laughs> he's, yeah, he, he sleeps. He sleeps. He has a heart. Believe yeah, it or he's not, he's one of those customers. Uh, <laughs> what a what a lucky coincidence! He has a heart and he sleeps. A, he is the perfect target audience right? for his own. Apps. Yeah, almost a hundred percent of days uh, he's using both of those features of his body. So it's, incredible. Yeah. Incredible. So that's, it's rare to find, but good that he has yeah, good for yeah. him. Good market. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, no, but no, but like that is how a lot of the good, the good indie ones. Yeah, start, I agree. Right. Yeah. It's, it's something that somebody wants to exist and it doesn't exist. And so they mm. build it or they, they have pain points with existing solutions. And so they build competing products mm. that do it better. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's there's a different range, right? It's very unlikely that sleeping is being deprecated in the human body anytime soon. So, like <laughs> most people could imagine what building a good sleep tracker might look like. But yes. then there are other, like ours is definitely a, a different type of niche. Where if no, you, you don't have a hundred percent target no, market, no, it's not, you're not targeting everybody, but exactly. you but you want to be familiar enough with what your customers yeah. are going through that you can mm. sort of relate to what they talk to yeah. you about. And I mean, if we would like, for example, even if we would um, make a podcast app, it's way better if you're an avid podcast listener because we've seen oh, yeah. some of those VC funded companies lately uh. releasing podcast apps, and they seem to not be built by people who are passionate about. Yeah. They seem to be more passionate about VC than podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. And as a result of that, all the people that are passionate about podcasting are not using them. And they, you know, it's it's not an app yeah. that goes anywhere, despite them having all the basic ingredients for success, right? They had hundreds of millions of dollars and they hired only the best engineers in the world that can solve binary search trees uh, with, with their eyes closed. Um, but it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> can people not solve binary search trees? No, no I can only solve them when my eyes open. <laughs> Um, but you know, you're doing better than me. I can't <laughs> no, I'm just saying, if you can solve it with your eyes open, I think you can. Yeah, outside of the. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, I, I do think that those apps would be better if if people that actually care about podcasting would have built them mm. with less money. Yeah, you know, and I don't want to get into something where we we build something without having any attachment to that mm -hmm. market. I I do think obviously there's a lot of benefit from having done that route before i don't think we we run out of things to to build because we've done freelancing for i don't know even how many years now uh many years um <laughs> so there's there's a lot of experience to to tap into for for this but i do think there's value in in using it every day and run into issues and i mean we see that with with apple and frameworks it's the same thing apple's frameworks are the best if you build if they build things on top of them and and that's just universally a good idea. The more you use your product, the more you run into small issues or even rare issues or small usability improvements or gain new ideas of how to make it even better. Even if there are no, no issues to point out to, there might be great ideas of how to bring it to the next level that you wouldn't have thought of if you never use it. Hmm. And I think that there, there's there's a lot of value in that. And I don't I don't mind that <laughs> to, to build something we're actually using. Um, that's it. I stopped recording in three, two, one.